the alleyoops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to get into the news uh, from 49ers land and talk about some of the things that are going on with Jimmy Garoppolo because there is even more coming out of this situation. It goes from Jimmy Garoppolo is cleared to now there are teams actively seeking Jimmy Garoppolo. At least that is what is getting put out there right now. So, Chad, right now, everyone is populating. Of course, this is Thursday, so you know it's Q&A. So if you have questions, go ahead and leave those in chat. I'll be more than happy to get to those. But along the way, we're going to be talking about some of the 49ers news because there is stuff going on, and we're getting closer and closer to training camp, which means things are going to ramp up. 49ers news is going to come at you hot and heavy. What is up, Bobo? How's it going? What's up, Spy Nick Danger? Welcome to the show. I hope you guys are having a good one out there. Uh, hopefully you're staying cool because it is not cool uh, anywhere around. And uh, it's going to be a fun episode. So let's talk a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo. So Cam Marino, um, he, he's been talking a lot about Jimmy and maybe some of the teams that could potentially be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. And he says it's that is five teams that have showed interest and potentially even inquired about Jimmy Garoppolo's availability and some of the teams are the usual suspects, the teams that you would fully expect. And then some are contrary to other reports. Uh, so let's go through the teams that Marino believes um, have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo or have even inquired about the possibility of getting him from the 49ers. First of all, the Houston Texans, which I don't think anyone uh, is, is really, really worried about because uh, it's come out pretty much that they're they're pretty set with Davis Mills. If they decided to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, that would be interesting because they just played Davis Mills for an entire end of a season. So you would expect him to be taking a step forward in year two. It's not like he's a guy that doesn't have a tremendous amount of talent. The second team on the list is Seattle Seahawks, which everyone has been talking about already. Uh, Seattle definitely has interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, but would the 49ers be interested to in trading you know, a player that has started many games for them and understands this division, understands Kyle Shanahan's offense inside and out, trading him to a division rival and potentially strengthening them and maybe hurting your opportunities and chances of getting to the playoffs? I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. Would Seattle be willing to overpay for Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not sure. They might be willing just to call the 49ers bluff and say, release him, and then that's where we're going to sign him. Uh, the Detroit Lions was a, a team I hadn't heard Hadn't seen listed as a potential suitor for Jimmy Garoppolo, but the Detroit Lions are on the list and they've got Jared Goff. And I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo is an improvement over Jared Goff. Uh, the quick release and things like that um, are more impressive. Now, of course, Goff is more athletic than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think anyone would question that. So if your offensive line is not you know, set and ready to go, I think Detroit's line is getting better. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo would be an improvement over Jared Goff. And then the Miami Dolphins are listed amongst this uh, list as well. Of course, Mike McDaniel, very familiar with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sure he'd be wanting to bring him in in case things didn't work out with two attack of Iloa. 
but what would they be willing to give up? You know, it, it's an interesting dynamic there. But the big one that Marino is talking about the most is the Atlanta Falcons. And some of you have brought this up in chat uh, many times that the Atlanta Falcons would be a target. And I, I've been trying to figure that out all this time through. I would say, you know what? Yeah, because they got Marcus Mariota. And then I would say, but do they want to compete right now? You know, is that really what they want to do? Or do they need to lose football games so that way they can get a franchise quarterback in there in Atlanta? I think they want a franchise quarterback. So it was always a little interesting to me that you would add Jimmy Garoppolo because if you add Jimmy Garoppolo, could you lose out on you know, a, a big time pick in the draft. Uh, so it's definitely something that's interesting coming out that now the Atlanta Falcons are in the mix for Jimmy Garoppolo. Those were the five teams that Marino is saying are in on Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that he left out the Cleveland Browns. He says the Cleveland Browns are not in on Jimmy Garoppolo. They've done their internal talks and they don't have interest but over on KMBR, Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers, said he knows from his sources, and he said sources that are extremely tied in, that the Cleveland Browns definitely have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're just waiting to see what happens on the Deshaun Watson front. Uh, so I, I think it's one of those things where now this is going to start heating up. This conversation is going to be something that we're going to be getting into continuously so I'm I'm excited about it. I'm definitely excited about it. And uh, yeah, so if you have questions, do it. I see Lou says, Ant, thanks for taking the time to answer the questions, the TCC's question. I love answering questions. I love having the conversation. Um, so yeah, if you got questions, I'm getting into it. Uh, Lou says, I'm not following the narrative. We might pay part of his salary to move, move him. Why would we do that unless it involves a high draft pick? That's it. You're going to have to measure how much Jimmy Garoppolo's worth is to you as far as what you plan on getting back eating a part of his salary i don't think is what they really want to do i think they would love to get from out from under his salary if they could pay a if they had to pay a little bit to get a better draft pick i think they would but they don't want to pay a large amount because they could in turn take a lot of that money and use it for other things i mean they they could you know front load debo samuel's contract if they wanted to uh, i don't think they'll do that but you at least want the freedom to be able to do that. And so uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to pay a lot of the money unless they're going to get a really high draft pick. And I don't think one of these teams is going to be willing to go ahead and throw that you know, out there. Uh, so I'm not sure. And Ronnie Montoya with an interesting question. If the Giants package Tyrod, would you rather have Tyrod Taylor or Nate Sudfeld as a backup? I would rather have tyrod for the mere fact of his athletic ability um and the fact that he's a proven starter in this league i mean tyrod taylor started a lot of games won a lot of football games in buffalo so he's somebody that i value already as a quarterback in this league so i do value him above nate sudfeld on the field i just wonder what kind of value nate sudfeld has off the field to trey lance because those guys were always together they were attached at the hip and nate sudfeld was helping guide Trey Lance through his entire rookie season, their relationship is something that I think can't be ignored with, you know, the chances of Sudfeld being on this roster. Uh, there is something there. So I think as far as traits go, physic, you know, physical traits, playing on the field, 
I'm going Tyrod. As far as maybe possible relationship with Trey Lance, uh, that's when you it gets a little uh, sketchy. Maybe it's Nate Sudfeld that you would rather go with in that. Uh, and a lot of people are coming in there with Tyrod Taylor. But Bobo says, hey, Tyrod Taylor is going to cost you around $10 million. So with Tyrod costing you around $10 million, are you willing to have that backup? That's probably part of the reason that Ronnie put Tyrod Taylor a part of the package for Jimmy Garoppolo to offset some of the money. That would mean the Giants freed up some money potentially. That way they can take on Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. So the question is, would you guys be okay with taking on $10 million of salary if it meant freeing up $14 million of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract? So you take on Tyrod Taylor and $10 million. And then you go ahead and you let Jimmy go, freeing up 14. Now, of course, if you're making a, you know, an adjustment to your quarterback room, and Nate Sudfeld gets released, you do it. You did guarantee him two million dollars, so you would in turn have to end up taking a hit there. So it's a little bit interesting uh, with a lot of the money. And what's up, Tommy? Uh, we're 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 just talking 49er news. We're talking about the fact Jimmy Garoppolo apparently has five suitors, according to Marino. Uh, and according to um, Greg Papa, he has six because he says Cleveland is in it. He knows from sources close to him that the Cleveland Browns are definitely interested. And it was, it was, you know, the way it was reported was not just interested, but inquired, which means they made a phone call. Uh, they reached out to the 49ers or they reached out to Jimmy Garoppolo's agent to gauge interest in a potential trade. That is good news. It was just yesterday, you know, Adam Schefter said, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo's clear. And we said, hey, the ball's going to get rolling. Here we go. Something's going to happen here. And now the ball's rolling. We're starting to hear names. We're starting to hear teams getting involved in this. And that's what you want. And uh, I, I think it's one of those things where with Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't know what's going to happen. But it is nice to hear that there's movement, there's conversation, um, and and people are getting involved in this. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and Michael Humphrey says, no, in that case, keep Jimmy G, who is great backup, and we win regardless. That is a good, that's a good point. That That's a good point. And I, I think when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, he would make a very, a very good backup. Very good. Uh, the thing is, is you, it's all about the money, you know, and, and what that money is going to look like. I don't think Jimmy wants to be a backup quarterback in San Francisco. I think he'd rather start somewhere. Now, if there wasn't a starting job out there and he had to choose between being a starter and being a backup, uh, then he's going to, he's, he, I mean, if he had to choose between starter and backup, he's going to be a starter. If he has to choose between backup for another team and backup for the 49ers, he may choose to stay here. So you could get into that. What's up, Paul? Welcome. And CJ, when you're talking about uh, Kendiche and the and the rumor, uh, it was Brad Graham from the SF Niners reported that this is going to happen. Of course, the official word hasn't come in, come from the 49ers yet. It doesn't mean it was a, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, but Brad, you know, was working to confirm it. And he, he was said, hey, his source says this is going to happen. So Kendiche is supposed to be a San Francisco 49ers. And at, 49ers, and at some point, uh, they may go ahead and announce that, and then that'll be cool to have him on the team. Uh, Tommy says, $27 million quarterback on the bench? Nah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't think anyone builds their roster you know, with the thought process of having a backup quarterback at $27 million. But what quarterback has ever been as good as Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup? I mean, I can't think of a quarterback that was 
as good as Jimmy to be a backup quarterback in this league. It doesn't happen very often. Even when you had quarterback controversies, I think the closest, you know, I could think of is maybe when you had like a Flutie as a backup, but in that scenario, I believe he was better than the starter a lot of times. Uh, so, I mean, that would be a very good quarterback situation for the 49ers. What you got going with Trey Lance, an ascending player with a lot of potential. Sky is the absolute, you know, limit for this guy. He's going to do something big. But Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup would make your room better. The problem is you got that hanging over your head, $27 million. And that's why Lou is saying Jimmy G backup for us must come with a pay cut. And if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not taking a single dollar less. You want me to be on this football team? You're paying me $27 million. And I think every single person would do the same thing if they were in Jimmy Garoppolo's shoes. I think the 49ers would love to have him take a pay cut and be the backup if they're not going to get good enough compensation coming from another football team. But why would Jimmy do that? If I was him, I wouldn't. I would sit back and take on my $27 million. And then if the opportunity presented itself to be traded during the season, do that. If not, live out the life of the contract, make $27 million, and then go play for another team in free agency the next year. Uh, Bobo says Matt Flynn was an expensive quarterback on the bench for the Seahawks. You're right. Matt Flynn had been signed as, an, as a free agent from Green Bay and was set to lead Pete Carroll's Seahawks team uh, into the future. And then they drafted Russell Wilson and Wilson came in and absolutely beat him out for that job. It wasn't too long until they got Flynn out of there, but you're right. He was an expensive quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has proven though, Bobo, and I know you would agree with this to be a much better quarterback than Matt Flynn. <laughs> P Murr says at this point, I'll take a sandwich for Jimmy. There are a lot of people that believe that for sure. There's a lot. And Paul is talking about the fact that Kyler Murray signed a deal today for $254 million. So he got his deal. Uh, wow, what a big, expensive contract. But that's what's happening. TV money's going up. Uh, there's going to be a lot more money for these players. So that's what's happening with other guys as well. You see the wide receiver market taking off, the defensive edge rusher market taking off, quarterback market's going to go even farther up through the roof. And that means it's going to be a trickle-down effect as all these other positions start to get paid out as well. It is not a bad situation to be an NFL player right now currently. Uh, the money is going to be there for all these guys that want to get it. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think that this this league has got plenty of money. The salary cap's going to continue to skyrocket, which is good for the 49ers because they're paying a lot of guys that they've drafted and developed a lot of money. And they're paying a lot of guys top money at their position, whether that's Trent Williams, George Kittle, Fred Warner. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, and you're going to add Debo Samuel to that. Charverius Ward has been added to that. These guys are making top 10 money at their position. So, I mean, at some point, you're going to run out of money, or are you? Because it seems like the NFL's salary cap just continues to skyrocket. So, uh, Donald Johnson says, wasn't Steve Young a backup when he came to the Niners? Yeah, he was. He just wasn't a high-priced backup. He wasn't making a lot of money. There weren't the salary cap um, implications back then. Uh, it was it was completely different situation. But as far as a one-two punch, that was, that's probably one of the best quarterback tandems in the history of the NFL. So, uh, Donald, you're right on that one. Joe, Steve, uh, fantastic grouping together. Um, of course, Bill Walsh famously promised Steve Young he would be the starting quarterback within two years of coming to the 49ers. That, of course, was not the case. That didn't happen. I think it all ends up working out because 
Joe got his Super Bowls. Steve got his his Super Bowl, and the 49er fans are happy about it. But uh, yeah, that's that that was an interesting situation, and the the Joe Montana story. I can't remember what it's called on Peacock. Really did reveal even more things about Bill Walsh, the things that he said and did, the way he handled the Joe Montana Steve Young situation. Boy, was it intriguing. And yeah, I was a young guy back then, so I didn't remember the ins and outs. I just remember there was a lot of hostility on each side about each guy. Tommy says, Jimmy G went to the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl. Didn't get that. Kyler hasn't even won a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the thing. I mean, Kyler's ability is there. He's got a lot of ability. There are some things that are still holding him back. I think Cliff Kingsbury could be holding him back, number one. Number two, the fact when he gets sacked, he loses so many yards and puts his team in tough situations. But the the Arizona Cardinals have done everything they can to put the most talented team around him. There are so many athletes around him, so many really good receivers, and they just continue to add speed. They added Hollywood Brown to that wide receiver group this, this year. Uh, tremendous athletes and ability there, but they're just not able to execute down the stretch at the end of seasons. Once you get past the midway point, Arizona consistently has fell off. And if you look back, actually, that's what happens to Cliff Kingsbury's teams all the way back at Texas Tech. A similar thing has happened with them. So we'll, we'll see if that changes. But Kyler Murray gets paid. Uh, I don't mind it. It means they have less money to pay everyone else down the road. So we're going to be on a rookie pay scale here with uh, Trey Lance for the next few years. Let's take advantage of that. And they're no longer under that. Um, Paul says, one more league inappropriately touched by... <laughs> Oh jeez. Well done. Just well done. I, I I'm I'm not I'm not hating on that. Uh Tommy Huxley, Daniel Brunskill on SF Niners now, but and over Brad. There you go. Thank you. Tommy's here instead of being over there listening to Daniel Brunskill. I really appreciate that. Uh that's big time. Um Michael Humphrey says, and if you remember that almost cost Walsh his job for us old folks. It did. You know, I mean, and in fact, if if you ever listen to Carmen Policy talk about it. Bill Walsh was fired like eight times. Bill Walsh kept getting fired by Eddie DeBartolo and then rehired. They kept getting into arguments. He kept firing him, bringing him back. So there was a, a very tenuous relationship between the two of them. Uh, Bill Walsh liked to create tension anyways. He liked creative tension. He thought that everyone played better when that happened, so he would do that. So it's not it's not surprising that he, that that kind of relationship was there, uh, but somehow they were able to turn it into the masterpieces that it was. I mean, Bill Walsh won three Super Bowls there. Of course, Eddie DeBartolo gets you know two more, both with George Seifert at the helm. '89, uh, which is I mean one of the best teams the 49ers ever put together, and they're just take they just took off from that '88 team. Mike Holmgren really spread the offense out, going more four wide receivers, and they just took off. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. That it was an interesting time in the in the 1980s uh, with all the decisions that were going to come from the quarterback, and you know there was a lot of people that were just pro Joe, and there was a lot of people that were Steve, and it, it made for some interesting some interesting conversation. I know the media around there definitely definitely loved it. Uh, so I mean, yeah, there there's all that going on. So. The, the team's involved apparently right now. And the funny thing is about this article that's coming, or this report coming from Cam Marino, is they didn't list. And I seen Tommy bringing up the Giants earlier and it getting brought up about the Giants. The Giants weren't listed as one of these teams that have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. So I wonder 
you know, if they really do, maybe they haven't inquired yet. Uh, maybe they're waiting to see what Daniel Jones is going to do in free or uh, in training camp because there had been a report that came out a few weeks ago that they were going to wait one week and see how Daniel Jones was uh, handling training camp and how he was operating the offense and all that. If they were going to go ahead and make another move and so maybe they're doing that. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to wait on that and see um, if Jimmy Garoppolo has the potential. But what do you guys think about what Greg Papa said about, you know, the Cleveland Browns definitely have interest because there was, it was a report that came out earlier. I believe it was yesterday that the, the Cleveland Browns weren't interested that they did their internal talks. They weren't interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. And now uh, Greg Papa saying, no, 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 that's not true. Like they are interested in Greg Papa. So, uh, you know, let me know what you guys think about that. Cause, uh, Papa is one of the, what, whatever I think about, you know, his call, I don't really care for his touchdown call a whole lot. Whatever I think about that has no bearing on the fact that I believe he does know a lot of people, um, you know, really close to the organization. So he probably has his, his finger on the pulse of what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not going to go ahead and say that he knows what's going to happen or the, the inner workings of what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan think. But at least the whispers are what think people think inside the building. I believe he has the best opportunity to know that. The same with like a Matt Mayoko, for instance. They kind of are the ones that are get really tied into some of that stuff. But even there, even they can be wrong. So I'm curious what everyone else thinks about that. And Lou says Bill Walsh was a leader of men. Still love the hotel doorman outfit. Yeah, I love that. I love going back and watching that stuff and how Bill Walsh handled his football team, handled his coaching staff. It was unique and different than anyone else. Uh, so I, I'm definitely with you on that, Lou. I loved Bill Walsh. He was one of the one of my. It was he's my favorite coach. In fact, um, when when I became a coach, I was actually starting to do some coaching when I was a senior in high school. We had a project that we had to do in school, and my report was on Bill Walsh and his philosophy on coaching football. So I read his book, really got into it. You know, learned the ins and outs of how he coached and handled his football team. You know, and I tried to apply some of those things when I became a coach. So what a tremendous, you know, person to learn from. Uh, and he he really did set the tone for the entire NFL and changed the way that the game was played. Uh, he's the reason that the forward pass is the way it is now. No one even thinks about it. So it's, it's, it's tremendous. Uh, it's tremendous. Okay, so we'll get into a little bit more of this news. So we got the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff, but we also had some interesting comments Um you know, interesting comments from Chris Kacarek. Uh, Chris Kacarek is talking about uh, second-year man Drake Jackson, and he said Drake Jackson is the whole package. Uh, so this is a comment that we're getting from, you know, the D-line coach. I mean, everyone knows how good he is. So here's the exact quote. quote he says he's the whole package, and this is what he told David Lombardi of The Athletic. He said, we had a, a combine interview with Drake early on in the process, uh, he's got some slipperiness to him, change of direction, a knack for winning one-on-one -on -one in the pass rush, a player that should be ascending. He was asked to do a lot of things in college, and we're going to try to narrow it down, try to let him do what he's best at, set the edge in the run game, make plays sideline to sideline with effort and a type of mentality. Uh, then once it's time to sack the quarterback, win one-on-one. -on -one. I think what he's talking about, too, is not just the, the slipperiness means he's hard to latch onto for an offensive lineman. Uh, but the the other things he's talking about is just tremendous athletic ability. Anytime you say a guy can go sideline to sideline, that means they have the athletic ability to chase and run down opposing offensive players. That is something that has been desperately needed for the 49ers. And I think that's why coming out of 2020, 
um, they decided that they needed to go out and get a Samson Ebucom and get an Arden Key athletic edge rushers because when they had Kerry Hyder, he was a chaser. He wasn't an actual rundown guy. He would chase him, but he couldn't quite get there. And that was something that they seen they needed opposite of Nick Bosa because Bosa's going to be the one that flushes him out. He's going to get him out of there, but you got to go get him. You got to be able to go run him down. And Drake Jackson has that ability. So I love that. The things that Chris Kacerik are saying are, you know, some of the things that you can build off of what Nick Bosa said about Drake Jackson already. Drake Jackson it has tremendous bend. I mean, the fact that he's able to do the things that he does um, is, is, is awesome. Now, he's going to have a transition because he's transitioning from playing at USC where they used him a lot off-ball playing linebacker. He's got to learn the same way Samson Ebucom had to learn how to go and play an edge rush defensive end with your hand in the ground is something Drake Jackson has to do as well. Now, he's going to be farther along in the process than Samson Ebucom is because he did that once before. Just with every change in the defensive coaches, they got a little bit of change in what his role was. Now, also, he's got to put weight on. He had lost weight to play that off-ball linebacker position. Now he's going to put that weight on potentially get up to like 265 pounds. That is a big physical freak of nature out on the outside. One thing I'm curious about is how he's going to, you know, handle using his length. He has tremendously long arms. Can he get a, a straight arm, strong arm and get into that chest? That single arm move could be big for him. It was big for Alden Smith. Alden Smith had long arms as well. If that's something he can get into, he can create separation with these offensive tackles with his ability to bend the corner uh, and slippery, like Kacerik said, whoo, who knows, who knows what happens there. Maybe we'll get a big time player, uh, from Jake Jackson. I think I'm going to somewhat temper expectations on him. I'm still going to wait. I want to see what he does early on as a situational pass rusher winning one-on-one -on -one battles. But as soon as he's learned how to set the edge and play base four three downs, you can see see a significant role change for him, and he can go in there and take snaps away from Samson Ebucom. If he's the eventual replacement for Ebucom, you just got a lot cheaper at the position, and you've got a lot younger at the position. Uh, so that could be exciting. Could be something really fun to watch here in the next you know, several uh, weeks as he develops in training camp. So Paul says, "Hey, Ant, is it wrong to think that?" Our improved secondary could possibly give our defense, uh, defense, our offense of line extra second to get home. Oh, okay. Give our defensive line a second, a extra second to get home. Oh, sorry, sorry, Paul, having a hard time reading that. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. I think with this secondary playing at the level that they're going to play, and in fact, there's a video coming out on Sunday where we're talking about Charvarius's role in the 49ers defense and the cause and effect that that's going to have on the rest of the defense. So make sure you guys check that one out on Sunday at 11. That's going to be a good one because you're right. The additions of the players in the secondary is going to make it easier on the defensive line. Since 2019, the thought process has been our defensive line is going to make it easier on our defensive backs. And you would even hear them say, or media people say, well, we don't have to have a great cornerback or we don't have to have a guy that can hold up that long because this defensive line is going to get to it. So I'm going to say that now you're going to have the, the situation where they're going to work hand in hand. And hopefully it works out hand-in-hand hand every single time. So the times that the defensive line is not getting home in four seconds, 
maybe the secondary gives them an extra second with really good coverage and then allows the defensive line to get home. And then those times that the def- the, the secondary is struggling, the defensive line gets home a little bit early. You throw in the fact D'Amico Ryans can come up with a really, really nice blitz, uh, confuse them with a, a coverage scheme, you know, where he shows something and goes, uh, there's a lot of really, really nice ways to handle it. It could be hand in hand, great defensive line play with good secondary play is just what they order. And that's why I've been saying, I can see them as a top three defense in this league. As long as we have answers, uh, we get really good answers to the questions of strong safety play, which is, you know, I mean, we got players to our various more's got ability Talanoa's got ability, but they have to assert themselves in that area. And nickel corner, you know, who is that going to be? If it's Emmanuel Mosley, I feel really comfortable with Emmanuel Mosley playing there. If it's Jason Verrett, I feel really comfortable with Jason Verrett playing there. I think the questions go with, will we really start a rookie? Will we start Samuel Womack at the nickel? I don't think so. So that means is it Darquez Denard? And I like Denard enough from what he did in week 18, but that's not a good enough sample size for me to feel like really comfortable about it. Now, if the coaching staff feels comfortable in it, then I will start to. But I want to see what's going to happen. If it's those top three guys, if it's Ombre Thomas coming in and one of those guys moving to the inside, I think I'll feel really good about it. But I do feel good with the fact we have four really solid corners at the top of that list. And then all we're doing is filling it between two. And we have four guys that could go ahead and, and get those last two spots in the cornerback room. I mean, you have two young guys and fifth round picks and Diameter Lenore and Samuel Womack. And then you have two uh, veterans that have done it for a long time and Darquez Denard and Dante Johnson. It's going to be an absolute battle for that position, those last two spots in the cornerback room. So yeah, the cornerback room being better makes it easier on the D-line. That's why I think we're going to see an uptick in sacks from Armstead, from Ebucom, uh, Kamoko Ture. I have Ture getting uh, five sacks this season. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for this defensive line to get after it. They're going to work hand in hand. I think we're going to get some third and long situations where this defensive line can pin their ears back and go get it. So yeah, Paul, I'm, I'm with you. I love that. That's a, that was a great question. Um, and, and that's a good way to look at it. There's going to be a lot of, a, a lot of opportunities for this 49ers D line to get after it. And a lot of it's going to be because of the secondary and the addition of Charverius Ward was really big for how D'Amico Ryan's is going to scheme things up and play. So I'm excited about it. Lou says Verrett will start if healthy and back to normal book it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm a firm believer in Jason Verrett. I Jason Verrett has so much ability. Now, the, the, you know, people have brought up questions and I always do listen to what people say in the comment section and people have come and said, Hey, we can't play Jason Verrett in the nickel. If you play Jason Verrett in the nickel and he has to help out in the run game, he could get hurt. When you have a guy who has injury concerns, you don't put him in those situations. And on slightly off sides, I, I mentioned it to Horse, and he actually had a pretty good uh, answer to that. And he said, but he goes, is it Jason Verrett's shoulder? Is, is that what's wrong with him? Because when it comes to Verrett, they're usually non-contact injuries. So it doesn't matter if he's playing on the outside, if he's playing in the nickel. Um, he ha- he runs the risk of getting injured. I mean, it was John Chapman on on his breakdown of Jason Verrett where he talked about he hasn't played one season. He played 14 games. Hasn't had a single season. He's played more than that. Unfortunately, Jason Verrett has been hurt a lot. So 
But what you're hoping is that you're going to get a healthy Verrett. And the reason that playing nickel corner makes sense for Jason Verrett means he's playing 65 to 70% of snaps. Uh, that limited amount of snaps could be what keeps him healthy. Now, let's look at the positives about Jason Verrett playing the nickel. Number one, he's a great tackler. Number two, he can go anywhere you want him to go with a wide receiver. He can run. He can run with someone deep. He can run someone to the outside. He's got the best change of direction of any of those cornerback guys in the group. Uh, and he's instinctive. If you want to blitz him, you want him to read something with the quarterback, he can do it. I think he's an upgrade over Shark at the nickel corner spot. And people could disagree with me, and that's okay. But I really do. I mean, he is a legit guy. If he's on his game, he's the best cover guy the 49ers have. He's that good. He's all pro caliber player in this league when healthy. The problem is, we have to say, when healthy. And that is the struggle. So hopefully Jason Vreck can stay healthy. Hopefully they do some really good things to make sure he stays healthy along the time. Just kind of ease him into practice. They did it last year. They had him working off, you know, off to the side. He kind of was doing a little bit of things on his own. I think you continue that process to make sure that Jason Verrett is healthy because Verrett, Mosley, Ward, Traverse Ward together, that is hard to beat. And you have Ombre Thomas, who showed so much promise last year. Love the secondary moves that the 49ers have made. And it would answer the nickel corner spot. If Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley play that nickel corner spot, yes, you have to have a valuable backup in case he suffers an injury again. But as far as when you line up the first day, the first game, uh, you know that when when you get a guy like Darnell Mooney in the slot, that it can be taken care of. So, uh, and, and thanks so much for the subscription, Pablo Sandoval. Uh, really appreciate that. Welcome to the 49ers Cutback Crew. Um, I love the name. I, I, I love the name. Any chance this is the Panda? I don't know. Uh, but I really love the name. And um, always welcome anyone. So if you're if you're on right now, uh, since uh, Pablo went ahead and subscribed, I'm going to give everyone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and say it right now, if you haven't already, like the video, comment, subscribe, share it with everyone. Help us out. I really appreciate it. Uh, so thanks so much for the subscription. Uh, Bo Bobo says, believe it or not, Dante Johnson is a 10-year 49er. Yeah, he's had some small stops in Seattle and a couple places, but he always finds his way back to San Francisco. And you know what? I feel like last year he really found his role in the 49ers defense. Before he was playing outside, it, was, it looked like a struggle. He didn't look comfortable. But last year it seemed like whatever D'Amico Ryans was doing with him, putting him in the slot, putting him in that safety, it felt like, okay, now Dante Johnson fits a role that fits his skill set. Uh, figuring out what their skill set are is and what their strengths are and then being able to use it is so important. So I really, really like the fact that they found a place for Dante Johnson, which means I'm encouraged about what they can do for everyone else. They can find roles for all these other players as well that fits their, their strengths. And that's what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of questions and a lot of conversation about Diamondor Lenore, you know, and why the 49ers keep playing him on the outside. Because when he was drafted out of Oregon, the full belief was that Diamondor Lenore was moving into the slot. I know I was kind of thinking it, uh, but he hasn't moved into the slot. He's still playing on the outside. That's where he's getting his reps. So if he's going to get his reps on the outside, they must believe his skill set is best suited for the outside. The good news is from the secondary as well, 
tremendous tacklers across the board. You name them, they're good at tackling. And uh, Paul was bringing up, uh, and best of all, no Josh Norman. And that's exactly right. Norman really did hurt the 49ers in some situations with tackling. I love the fact he used the peanut punch and got the ball on the ground. I felt like that did kind of rub off on other players. Uh, you seen Fred Warner knocking the ball out. Guys were going after the ball, so I'm thankful for that, that Josh Norman brought that element to the 49ers team because this defense needs to produce turnovers, but his tackling was, I mean, it was bad or atrocious at times, and that's not who he normally was in his younger years. He used to be a pretty short tackler and a really good cornerback. I think as he's aged, he got hurt last year. I think it changed his game a little bit. So I'm thankful for one aspect of it. And then the other aspect, I'm like, man, just make a tackle. So uh, I think with Norman, there's that. But yeah, the secondary is is going to be good. And the, and the defensive line is going to be good. And I think that's what's going to help produce more turnovers. You quicken the quarterback's thought process and his reads, and all of a sudden he has to make quicker decisions and get rid of the ball. And when you have a better back in in coverage and they're not playing so far off, but maybe they're playing on top of their guy, they can really drive on these footballs and maybe we can get some turnovers. I think that would be a huge plus for the 49ers defense is to actually start you know, creating a bunch of turnovers. If you can put the ball back into uh, Trey Lance's hands even more and more, uh, I think that would be good. And and Lou says, Ant, got to go. I'll post my comment later. Thank you. Hope you have a good one, Lou. Thanks for coming in and, and leaving some comments. Always appreciate your takes. Uh, Michael Humphrey says, I'll take Norman for Dre Bly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's the thing, right? The 49ers, I think, tried uh, Drager Patrick, Kirkpatrick last year as well. Um, they were definitely reaching for cornerbacks. It was a it was a real struggle for them last year, finding cornerbacks that were healthy, cornerbacks that can contribute. And they flipped that around in one season. They went from, you know, a team that struggled in one area to have depth at one area to having tremendous depth at the cornerback position. So, I absolutely, absolutely love it. So I've I've been excited about this 49ers team, and um, you guys are making some good points over in chat. And Bobo says that was the problem last season. We didn't get very much turnovers. And that's been something that's plagued the 49ers for a couple of years is they haven't been able to produce turnovers. I mean, one of the things that made the 49ers defense in 2011 with Jim Harbaugh so successful was the amount of turnovers they produced. Yeah, Alden Smith and Justin Smith were creating havoc along the defensive line, but Deshaun Goldson and Dante Whitner and Carlos Rogers, uh, they were making plays in the secondary and they were making a lot of big plays and giving the ball back to that 49ers offense and Alex Smith and Frank Gore could get things done. So that's what we need. We need more opportunities for young Trey Lance to be able to, you know, drive the football and get, to, and get into the end zone. So I'm hoping for more turnovers, and I think that this defensive line and defensive rotation is going to quicken the quarterback's thought process, and we're going to create more turnovers. The fact that, the fact that you're going to have Ward, Verrett, and Mosley out there with Jimmy Ward flying around, I think we're going to get more turnovers than we've gotten in a long time. I'm not ready to go out there on a bold prediction yet. I want to wait and see him at training camp next week, um, but I, if, I, if, they're, if, if it's going to go the way I think it's going to go, the 49ers are going to have some fun in the secondary. I think we're going to have some turnovers, and I think everyone's going to be excited about short fields for the 49ers. That's one of the keys. Let's get short fields for the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, one of the one of the things we've been talking about news, but if you have questions, go ahead and 
and populate chat. We'll go full Q&A. Um, anything you want to get into, uh, let's just get into it. I've been answering some questions already, but hey, if you got more stuff, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it because I'm excited about 49ers football right now because lots of cool stuff is happening uh, in 49er land. And, you know, all the while uh, I'm sitting back and I'm just hoping at some point we're going to get a Debo Samuel um, a Debo Samuel signing. You know, is we're going to get that extension that we've been looking for. Uh, it, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that it's going to happen. And I think one question that I have is still about D Ford. Um, I, I really wasn't expecting to see what 49ers.com put out there that at some point they expected him to be activated. I have been expecting to hear that he passed the physical and that they were going to, you know, reach an agreement on his release. And that has not happened. You know, and then when they uh, the reports came out that they signed Robert Kandice, a lot of people came to the comment section and said, hey, that must mean the end of D Ford. But when you have a 90-man roster such as the Niners have, you don't have to release D Ford. You can release somebody else at another position that you don't feel is going to make this roster, you know, an extra corner, an extra linebacker, you know, even a defensive lineman like Kevin Atkins. They could easily do that. So I think there's still a lot of space for that. Uh, we'll see. And Mr. Corey comes through uh, just like I knew he could with a J.C. Treader signing. Uh, J.C. Treader. Now, I was listening to Matt Miyoko. I haven't listened to him a lot lately, but last night I did take an opportunity to listen to Matt Miyoko's uh, latest 49ers talk um, podcast, and he did talk about if the 49ers weren't happy with their center position, they could always go to a veteran. He named a few, including J.C. Treader. So, I mean, it's always out there as a possibility. Is it likely? I don't know if it would be considered likely because, um, you know, right now it looks like they're wanting to go the cheaper route with Brendel, you know, with potentially Daniel Brunskill. Uh, so those guys seem to be the ones that they're mentioning the most. But I think the Brunskill one hinges on how good Jalen Moore is. If Jalen Moore is ready to ascend to start over Brunskill, that's a full-fledged battle at that point. Once Jalen Moore is considered the starting right guard if he was able to beat out Brunskill. Brunskill versus Brendel would come out in a tremendous manner. Like, they would go after it. Uh, so we'll see. And Mr. Corey is definitely hoping for J.C. Treader. Um, Ronnie Montoya says, does D. Ford make the team if healthy? If you've got a healthy D. Ford, he's good enough to make this roster. He's still one of the premier edge rushers if healthy. The problem is, how long is he going to be healthy? I think that's one of the biggest questions that I have. Um, that's why I'm kind of surprised that he would come off the IR or come off a pup list or anything like that. So I don't know. I, I mean, if he's healthy, he's definitely, he's still got one of the best first steps. He showed it last year. He had three sacks last year and he wasn't even healthy then. So a couple of questions I have about D4. Number one, what does healthy look like for D4? Because it's, gonna, it's not going to be what he was coming out of Auburn. You know, coming to the NFL, is it going to be what what he was in Kansas City? Or is it going to be early 2019 D four? Because if that's healthy, he's he's the second best edge rusher on this team behind Nick Bosa, and it ain't close. Uh, so if he's healthy, he's on this team, but we don't know what level of health it's going to be. Uh, Bobo says when when Pick Mullins was our quarterback, Fred Warner said he didn't even take his helmet off because he knew an INT was coming. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's unfortunate. You know, that really is unfortunate. And um, Nick Mullins was struggling there for a while. And it was crazy because, 
you know, he had a couple of years. The 2018, he did pretty good. I think people could be at least a little bit optimistic about what he could do coming in as a backup quarterback. But yeah, he, he fell off and it felt like the moment was too big for him uh, when he got his opportunities in 2020 and the 49ers ended up having to move on from him. And I think the clearest one is when they played the Philadelphia Eagles and he just missed so many passes and threw so many interceptions. But the missed to Kyle Juszczyk wide open, uh, I think was the first time it looked like the moment was just too big for Nick Mullins. And since then, he just hasn't been able to really hang on anywhere. Uh, it's unfortunate uh, I, I don't dislike the guy, but man, there were some moments, you're right, where he would drop back and you're like, oh, who's going to pick this one? Uh, Mr. Corey says, take Ford as a bonus, not as a plan piece. Yeah, I think you have to. I, I really do. I think that's how you have to look at it. You can't look at um, D Ford as something you're planning on panning out for you. I think if you're having him actually come and participate at, pra at practice, which uh, would be a shock to me, um, but if he did come in there and act and compete, I mean, you're letting him compete all the way through. And if he proves that he's the guy and he's not missing practice and he's going out there and getting it done, I think it would be hard to turn around, you know, turn around and uh, and move on from him. I, I really do. I, I think that, you know, it, it's it's hard to move on from a guy with that much talent because, you know, in the back of your mind that. Uh, Lynch and Shanahan want this to work out with D Ford. They would love for it to. And I will give D Ford some credit. D Ford has worked so well with the 49ers organization on making sure that financially he did right by them. He signed a contract. He restructured that contract to make it easier for the 49ers in 2021. Then between 2021 and 2022, he restructured his contract again to make it easier on the 49ers and try to build a championship football team. He's one of those guys that he hasn't been producing on the field, so he's been taking pay cuts to make sure they can build the best possible team. And now they've gotten to a situation where if he gets released, it's a $1 million uh you know, $1 million that you save, $5.88 million that, you know, you're going to have against the cap. But uh, he's done a really good job of getting to where you needed him to get to make it easier on your football team. So I give him credit for that. I'm very thankful for him working with the organization. I always want players to get their money, and he's doing his best he can. Um, but if he wants to play, I, I kind of just want to see him have the opportunity to try to do it one more time. I hate when these players don't get to go out on their own terms, but they have to go out because of an injury or a situation like that. I want these guys to be able to go and prove it. And I don't believe that D Ford has really ever recovered from being offsides against, you know, against the Patriots in the playoffs before he came to the 49ers in 2018. I just don't think he's ever gotten fully over that. Um, he probably has personally, I'm just saying no, you know, people haven't let him pass. That. I would love to see him get past that. Um, Paul says Mullins kind of proves that Shanahan makes quarterbacks better. The quarterbacks don't make Shanahan better. Yeah, I mean, it, you can you can say that. And I, I think Shanahan does a really good job of adding aspects, you know, that make quarterbacks good. Uh, he accentuates what they do well. So he, he sees their skill set, takes into account what they do well, and then builds an offense around it to take advantage of it. Um, his offense that he's built with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, the way he's been able to take over the middle of the field, it worked hand-in-hand hand with the play-action game. What you did see, though was him also taking into account 
in 2021 that Jimmy Garoppolo felt more comfortable in the shotgun, and then he ran more shotgun than he's ran in a long time to go ahead and help Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, be able to use his greatest assets, which was stand in the pocket, get rid of that football, but he feels more comfortable in the shotgun. So I think that that's one thing that Kyle Shanahan has done really well. I think that the one thing that we got to remember, though, because I don't want to slight Jimmy Garoppolo, is Kyle Shanahan wasn't exactly winning football games without Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo was an asset to Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan just figured out how to use him in the right way. And that's one of those things about being a good coach, finding the skills that your players do well, and then using those skills to best benefit them and benefit your football team. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan has been doing. And that's why uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is very successful. I don't know if he'll be as successful in another system. I know I will be rooting for him. As long as he's not playing against the 49ers, I will root for Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, unless he's in Seattle, L.A., or Arizona, I can't do it then. Or them Dallas Cowboys, not going to happen. But I'll root for him because I think he's a good guy. I think he works hard. He earns the respect of his locker room. And anytime a guy does that, he deserves some respect. So... Um, but yeah, Kyle Shanahan does a good job for his players. He puts everyone in good situations to be successful. And that's why when you see a lot of players leave San Francisco, um, they fall off. It kind of sounds like Chris Kacerik a little bit, right? Defensive lineman with Chris Kacerik, world beater. Defensive lineman without Chris Kacerik, not as good. So it's it's definitely coaching can go into it, but a lot of it's system fit. Uh, making sure that your skill set fits with what your team runs is important. That's why Maurice Hurst and Arden Key couldn't run fast enough out of Las Vegas. They knew they needed to get to a system that was all about penetration and causing chaos, and that's why they wanted to come to the 49ers and play at cheap contracts, knowing they could get a bigger contract in the future. They went from potentially career slowing down to falling off to you know re-engaging their career now Maurice Hurst has got to do it this year because the injuries but Arden Key did it last year uh Bobo says D Ford in 2019 was solid though he was very solid until he had the injury and then you could tell even when he came in back in the playoffs he was a step slow you watch him he's got his back nice and tight um I I just felt for him in those situations I'm glad he came back for the playoffs but a healthy D Ford that we saw in the early part of the year go back and watch Bobo the first four or five games of D Ford I mean, there are some plays. He's in the backfield before the quarterback has hit his three-step drop. It's ridiculous. And I think that if we'd have that guy against Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and it's not his fault. Health is not his fault. He's done everything he can to stay healthy. But that guy, uh, there would have been no chance for Patrick Mahomes to get that ball down the field. He would have got after him. I mean, that's how good D Ford is when he's healthy. But I do agree. He was solid at the very first part of 2019. He played really good. I was... I was sick when he got hurt because I knew that it was going to change the dynamics of that offensive line. Um, Mr. Corey says, I'm not mad at D Ford at all. His situation isn't like Alden Smith. And yes, that 2018 should have been the Chiefs Super Bowl title and 2019 ours. I'm in full agreement with you, Mr. Corey. I think 2018 Kansas City should have won a Super Bowl. I wonder if they still would have traded D Ford if they would have. Um, but I mean, they, they could have, and you're right. 2019 should have been the 49ers one, man. That one still, that one still digs deep. And, you know, I put up a poll, you know, and, and 2019 team was, was very thought about as far as non Super Bowl winning teams. A lot of people really cared about the 2019 team. I know I was very highly invested in it. Uh, I've been invested in a lot of 49er teams, but that 2019 one, I wish they would have won a Super Bowl because I enjoy watching their highlights. It would have been a lot better if it would have ended with the Super Bowl. That America's game, I think, would have been exciting. The only thing that would have been better for an America's game if they had won last year because we'd had all the conversations with Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, 
that would have been really, really, really fun. And what's up, Luke Luna? Welcome to chat. And I wanted to thank Luke Luna for the $5 super chat that he gave me the other day. Uh, he said some very complimentary things. I went ahead and posted it over on our community page if you guys could go check that out. But I wanted to thank Luke and give him a shout out openly. So I'm glad he stopped through. I really appreciate that. Paul says the last five games of 2017 sure uh, were fun to watch, though. And that's why he can't hate. Uh, we can't hate on Jimmy. Those last five games um, were eye openers of what was what could happen with Kyle Shannon getting a quarterback that was a top 32 quarterback in this league or a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo that at the time was thought of to be a top 15 quarterback in this league. It took Kyle Shanahan's offense to a new another level. And that was with them kind of going out there and playing a little bit of schoolyard ball because when it comes down to it, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't understand the ins and outs of Kyle Shanahan's offense. He didn't know what he was looking at or doing, um, but he was figuring out as they were going and they were making things happen. But if you watch Jimmy's mobility in 20, the end of 2017 and the very first couple games of 2018 before he tears his ACL, that is a G different Jimmy Garoppolo. The way he's able to move left and move right and then throw um, you know, off balance and off platform, he was a lot better in those situations than he was after the 2018 injury. I wonder if, once Jimmy Garoppolo's career is over if he really gets into how bad that injury was for him. We do know that a lot of times it was brought up that he kept wearing the knee brace. So maybe it's psychological too with that. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo did a lot for this 49ers organization. And 2017, we were in the dumps. And in 20, you know, 2018, he got hurt. But in 2019, he really took this team to where I think Kyle Shannon and John Lynch were envisioning it, where they were competing year in and year out. And they almost got it done in 2019. They almost got it done in 2021 which makes us optimistic for 2022 because you still have Kyle Shannon, you still have John Lynch, and they're proving that they can go ahead and, and do a really good job and get it done. Uh, Michael Humphrey says, if Jimmy goes to Cleveland, you could have a Lance Garoppolo Super Bowl matchup. Now that is something I would love to see. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he took Cleveland to the Super Bowl, I'll tell you right now, you think Jimmy Garoppolo is beloved by some fans here in San Francisco? He will be loved forever in Cleveland. I mean, they will love him forever for getting over that hump and getting to the Super Bowl and having a matchup with the 49ers. Boy, would that be fun. Uh, Paul Brown's team. Uh, oh, Cleveland Browns, not Paul Brown. Paul Brown went to uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but the Browns versus the 49ers. I will, Michael, I haven't even thought of that. But boy, would I love that matchup. Lance versus Garoppolo. It's writing itself. Uh, well done. You know the NFL loves these storylines, so uh, that would be a lot of fun. I And that would also mean that Jimmy Garoppolo got traded and the 49ers got some draft capital back for him. I think the 49ers would feel pretty good about that. And I think they would feel comfortable about going in there and beating the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl. So, uh, Michael, now I'm just going to try to envision that and, and hope that it happens because I think that would be just a lot of fun. Uh, Mr. Corey says that win streak in 2017 cost us Saquon Barkley and got us Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned, though, two guys that are both had injury history. Uh, if we would have got Saquon Barkley in that situation, um, it, it, he may have had injury, the same injury issues, and we'd be talking about how he was a tremendous bust because he hasn't been able to do the things that we wanted him to do in Kyle Shanahan's system. I mean, yeah, on face value, that makes sense. I think the one that was the most frustrating to me, and I mean, it, it probably ended up working out, was in 2006 when the 49ers won a game late and it prevented them from getting Reggie Bush. Uh, that's what I really wanted, Reggie Bush. 
I was definitely one in that, but they won a football game. It didn't happen. Um, so that was one that I remember. Luke Luna says, Jimmy, without knee being torn, we win a Super Bowl with him for sure. He had it won, but the defense getting injured. Kyle starts calling the game weird instead of running and bad ref calls. It's an interesting game. It's not a game I enjoy watching in the second half. You know, I think the 49ers were the better football team. Unfortunately, they didn't execute the best down the stretch to win, and Kansas City did, so they won. Um, top to, it, It's not always who has the best roster, but who pe- plays the best on that given day. And Kansas City, when it came down to it, made more plays than the 49ers down the stretch, which stinks to say. Um, but I think Kyle Shanahan was trying to find a way to manufacture certain things happening. And it just didn't work. It didn't work out. That defensive rotation finally caught up to him. They had lost so much depth during the during the season. So uh, I definitely get what you're saying, Luke. That was a tough loss. I don't like thinking about that. I don't like thinking about the 2012 one against the Ravens either. Uh, I think there are situations that they definitely could have won. So uh, maybe they'll get over the hump. Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, has a lot of experience now. I mean, he has experience at, you know, in the NFC Championship games, has experience in the Super Bowl. Uh, he he knows what he's looking at, so I, I really do uh, think that Kyle Shannon is farther along being a head coach right now than he was even in 2019. He's just learned a lot. There's something about experience that just makes you better at what you do. So, um, and and Mr. Corey says, but the win streak was fun, and I wanted Garoppolo over Kirk Cousins. I'm with you on that. I'd rather have Garoppolo over Kirk Cousins too, and and it was really really fun. So I, I like that a lot. So guys, I'm up against it a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here in, in a in a few minutes. So if you have any last questions you would like to get to me before I get off air, go ahead and populate chat right now and I'll get to those. I would like to say thanks to everyone that hopped on and also like to tell you that all week there's all week there's gonna be a lot of content coming out. There's episodes on Friday, Saturday, Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. You can check those episodes out. We're covering everything from the most vital player on offense on Friday. Saturday is Ray-Ray McLeod's role in the 49ers offense and what Ray-Ray's role is going to look like. And then on Sunday, we're talking about Charverius Ward. Uh, So if if you guys want to get into those, you can. And then on Monday, me and Alex are going to get into our 53-man pre-training camp predictions Who's going to be the 53 men before we get into training camp? We'll go ahead and throw that out there and see how right we can get. And then on on Tuesday, we're going to be talking about the things to watch for at training camp. And on Wednesday, I'm going to be out at training camp. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be there for the first day. And then I'm going to come back afterwards and do a live stream. So make sure you're ready on Wednesday. Hop on. I'll talk to you about everything I observed at the training camp practice. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have a lot of days out there and I'm going to come back and talk with all of you guys about it. Uh, so I'm super excited about training camp. It's going to be fun. Uh, and we've got, we're getting more comments about uh, everything that happened on the goal line, but Bobo says, thanks Ant, and the cutback family. Take care. really appreciate it. Bobo. Uh, thanks for coming in and, and, uh, and, you know, letting us know what's up. I, I'm appreciating everyone having their conversations about Garoppolo and about the 49ers. Uh, you know, Super Bowl games, losses. Uh, I'm glad everyone's having a really good time in chat. It's been a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Got in some news, got in some great questions. Thanks everyone for leaving those questions. I hope you guys are all enjoying your Thursday night. I hope you all have a great night and a great weekend. Check out our videos. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment. And if you're a patron, Make sure you uh, check out the new videos that are going to be coming out over the weekend, of course, slightly off sides. And then I've added a couple extra ones as well that'll be coming out as well. So hop over there and check them out. If you're not a patron, you can do that. 49ers Cutback on Patreon. Go check it out. Extra content 
whatever you guys want to do. So have a good night. This was a good one. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way.